This podcast is sponsored by THX, a globally renowned brand focused on delivering premium entertainment experiences and is passionate about telling the stories of the creators behind great productions. Find out more at THX.com. Thank you guys so much for just taking the time to talk to me about Lion. I had a chance to see it at the Savannah Film Festival and thoroughly enjoyed it. It was one of my favorites of this year, and I, I really was curious of, for you guys. Now, I guess, obviously, being behind the film and having audiences see it, you know, what's your relationship with the film now, now that it's out in the world and people have been experiencing your work? Well, uh, I mean, we, uh, we slowly... It slowly drips uh, down to us in a way. Yeah. We, uh, I mean, we, it's, it hasn't been released, uh, I think, so far in, only in America, is it right? I'm not sure, but we, we haven't. Uh, in Germany, for example, it will be released, I think, in February. So, okay. um, you know, um, the, the, the nice thing is actually that we get a lot of great reactions uh, from people that actually, you know, where, where when I ask, for example, a friend in, uh, who's, uh, who's living in America, they, they say, oh, we had already friends that went into the cinema. <laughs> sure. And I think that's wonderful because uh, suddenly it's out there and we are, our world is already somewhere else, you know. <laughs> anyway, yeah. So um, I, I think it's always great when things be, um, get like our art uh, in a way gets public. I like this process. I think something too that's fantastic, sometimes people can even listen to the soundtrack before they experience the film. Yeah. Now, now going back, I mean, the, the question I want to ask you is, I, I think it's a really unique way that uh, director Garth Davis went about hiring you both and the fact that you've known each other for so long. Yeah. You know, were you, who made the first call to who? I mean, was it? Who, who, who called who and what was that discussion like? Well, uh, when I was playing in... Uh uh, in Australia, a concert in Melbourne, and uh, right. Garth Davis was uh, coming to my show. And after the show, he asked me if I would be interested in seeing a couple of pictures from the movie, and if I would be, uh, if I could imagine to work with a uh, another composer. And he mentioned Dustin's name, and I said, "Oh, um, Dustin is a very good friend of mine. Could <laughs> totally imagine to work with him." and um, so I think he was very surprised that we uh, knew each other. And uh, I think, you know, the whole constellation suddenly was in a way finding itself. And we were, um, from that conversation, I think after three weeks, um, we were on board, you know, that was pretty, pretty fast. And then the other aspect was, is you only had two months to work on it, which is pretty accelerated, but not only that, the picture was locked. So how did you find that Garth's perspective on his own film change when you guys started to come in? Was there temp music? How much handholding or direction did he give you? Well, I think, you know, he chose everybody, every, everybody that worked on the film, he chose everybody very, uh, very carefully. And, mm -hmm. and he, and I think that that's, that's what makes him, I think, such a great director is that he really knew what he wanted and the right people. And he gave space to the, to everybody to, to be who they are and to bring their, you know, to bring what they can bring to the, to his film. Mm -hmm. Um, so he, he already had a lot of our music tempt in. Okay. And so it was already clear, like kind of like, you know, there was some, there was a starting point. 
of you know what we, you know why he chose us and um, and from there then it was just sort of getting getting into the film and creating our own just absorbing it they'd all been living with the film for a long time yeah so we kind of had to dive in and get into the depths of it pretty quickly how was the spotting process for you guys how, how does how did all three of you come out of them well we he um he was in australia and we actually had like uh i think i was in los angeles volker was in dusseldorf and he was in melbourne and we just all got on skype and <laughs> watched the film together and and just sort of went through everything and he you know he 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 it was very clear like where music should be there was never any point where it was like oh mm -hmm. you know he his film was very you know he he had a really good handle on it it was you know it was a very like from the point when we jumped in it was it was already very strong i mean was there any at all any you know change to picture because maybe music there were breasts that wanted to sustain longer or you know, or was it really locked? Did he ever dive back in and make adjustments to kind of reflect the music then? No, I think in, uh, you know, when we saw, when we did the first spotting session, the movie was was already pretty in good shape. Um, I mean, there was, um, uh, there were like slight changes. Sometimes these slight changes were, of course, affecting the music because we, we wrote a lot of stuff that we recorded with one take to picture like uh, on our instrument which means um, you know it's not a MIDI process where you can push uh, whatever MIDI notes back and forth you have to go back to your instrument and uh, maybe meanwhile the microphones changed or you have to go back and uh, you know place replace them and see that you get a, in a way uh, like a similar sound that you maybe loved so I think that was a, a bit of a challenge, um, but at the same time, I, I, I loved actually the process of, you know, n narrowing uh, the ideal chord structure and uh, the ideal melody, uh, narrowing this down until we found actually the solution where we felt like, yeah, this is exactly how we, you know, how we want to live with it, you know? Yeah. One of the fantastic things about the collaboration of you two is you both have backgrounds in piano. Yeah. But how did you guys figure out the right tone, the right piano? What what was kind of the decision? And obviously, I think tell me if I'm right or wrong, but uh, that a lot of it is not electronic. A lot of acoustical instruments, really. Yeah. No. Everything's acoustic. Um, and if if it sounds electronic, it's acoustic instruments that we've treated to sort of mm -hmm. sound that way. But there's a lot of different pianos. We worked on a we worked on a grand piano for a more for a larger sound and for the richness in the bass. Uh, we did uh, Hauschka is using a lot of prepared you know he uses prepared piano, mm -hmm. and uh, that's where he's putting things inside of the piano and, and bits and he can tell you a little bit more about it. But then there's also upright piano. So we you know. All of these different pianos and different micings, it was a big part of the, the language of the film as well because some things didn't work on a grand. Like if we played the same piece on a grand, maybe it sounded too too big and it needed to be more fragile and so we, it needed to be on an upright. Hmm. And that really also helped create, translate some of the emotional content. And also, I mean, we 
when when I counted right, I think we were using four, four pianos, mm -hmm. and uh, four different ones. And um, what I also think is very interesting is that sometimes even the more cheaper versions of pianos have sometimes a very interesting way of sounding great uh, when you record them right, you know, and uh, it doesn't have to be always the big Steinway, um, even though you think that this is the the ultimate uh, instrument, but um, we, we uh, in a way, we decided sometimes, uh, funny enough, for more the cheaper versions, yeah, because well, they sounded, they had more character, you know? Yeah. One of the fantastic things that, that really shows, even just in the soundtrack, is the the sense of space and I was curious how where and how you recorded was it a combination of stuff in both your studios and then you know where did you record the full orchestra or the parts uh, we did some orchestra in Europe and then like the pianos we did in our studios basically mm -hmm. and we did we did a little bit of grand recording a grand piano in the studio in LA did you feel that you needed to scale up in terms of were you able to really capture the size because or was it, uh, was it um, I guess, a combination of layering? Well, we did. I mean, there's a lot of layering, but it was also a bit of, like, we used more, we didn't use an orchestra. We used a chamber string mm -hmm. section. It was about 20 strings, which sort of sounds like, you know, it's it's not, doesn't sound that big. I mean, it sounds like a, a richer quartet, It's but it doesn't have that big sound. So it's still, you still right. get a, a, a more reduced sound. And everything that we did was definitely, we never wanted to go full, kind of widescreen big there was all we wanted to feel the texture of the strings and the mm. we recorded everything with a lot of close miking and uh i mean getting room sounds too but there's a lot of layering too adding uh layers of of kind of drones within the strings to kind of help it, it that thickens the sound but it but it's but it gives it a unique sound it's not just this classic kind of orchestra sound right and there were four tracks that really stood out to me, and the first one was the one that called Train. I wanted just to kind of get your feedback and to understand how there's this incredible violin solo, it's very singular, and then it obviously taking the perspective of Saru, which is, it feels like it grows in size and energy and becomes much more powerful. It's just, I got the sense of hopelessness. How did you want this cue to play out for this helplessness of Saru being on the train and being taken away from his family? Well, uh, you know, I, I think it is the, the beginning started from a, a note from Garth. I think he said that he feels like, um, you know, when the train ride starts, that he hears a, like a single violin or something. And I think um, I, was, uh, I was inviting the violin player. Um, she's from Poland and she comes always to my home uh, mm. when, I, when I have... Uh, you know any ideas or want to try something out she's very very fast and you know like I can verbalize an idea and I tell her which notes she's playing or a melody but then she offers me all sorts of uh, different variations and I think we recorded this solo line in all sorts of um, like a tr like a very fast tremolo for example and each take I mic'd up with three mics so that they are really, you know, you can actually hear a lot of the string and, uh, you know, all sorts of different angles from the sound. And um, and then I had the feeling that it needs... And, and then I think the the other, um, the, the second violin, 
I felt especially strong this kind of arpeggio uh, when I don't know if you remember there is a the train is going over a bridge at night and there's this lightning coming down from the sky like this uh, like it seems like the nature is taking over and the boy is by himself in the train and I felt like uh, this this was for me like a kind of synonym for tragedy in a way and uh, mm -hmm. but at the same time you know keeping it very like simple and just one instrument I think that was in a way the intention and uh, I, uh, I'm, I I think this has a definitely the right temperature like the right mm -hmm. tonality you know Yeah, absolutely. The one of the I guess the following tracks. I'm not sure the the track called "Falling Downward." Um, what scene was that for then? That was it was interesting because that that was a piece that we originally did for a scene that we ended up changing the music, and then Garth brought that music back in a different mm -hmm. scene. So that was we originally wrote it for the scene where he's. He's, he's breaking up with his girlfriend. They're in the streets in that mm -hmm. argument after coming out of a club. And I've actually, I really love that piece of music. So when it went away, I was a bit sad. And then sort of at the, la at the zero hour, Garth was like, oh, I think I found a place for this oh, piece. Nice. So, um, and it was nice because I, I think when you write a piece of music for a scene and then you use it somewhere else, it always, I, I like you know when you when magical things happen just when you put music when, you know when you when the music mm -hmm. written for that scene it brings out different things in the scene that you do, that you would never do if you were intentionally scoring it because that's it's so deliberate it's a beautiful track it, it i hate comparing music to any other composer but it was reminiscent reminded me of of uh, John Luther Adams become motion track i don't know if you're familiar with it Man, but that's that's a nice reference and and you That's a, that, that, that's a good one. I love. Okay, that piece. I, it just, I, I love that piece, and I've never heard any another piece because it's so it's so unique. But what was the combination of instrumentation? How did you guys build this this track? That's a combination of like drones that I created, and then um, Hauschka's prepared piano. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's actually the um, a, a great mixture of both of our work in a way um, mm. and uh, I think what is very nice is that the dimension of the you know these prepared piano uh, drones in a way and uh, the, the the drones that are starting in the beginning they create these layers that in a way are um, working with with a space in a very nice way and the tonalities are only sh is shifting very subtle you know mm. very very um, You actually sometimes you don't know if something changed, but then you you, um, you you know that there is there is something happening, but you don't know if really something changed or or is if it's just in your imagination. So I like this a lot. Well, so, so I guess you said it was going to be when they broke up, but where did it end up in the film? What was the scene? It's placed in uh, kind of when it, uh, it actually right after the boy gets hit by the motorcycle. Mm. It's mm. after that. Okay. It's the type of thing. It's like when I'm watching the film, I don't, I'm not listening necessarily for cue to cue because it's so seamless. The edges are, <laughs> yeah. It's and that's the thing. Like I said, when you listen to a soundtrack like this, I love because I can re, I can really appreciate how much time and attention and detail went into what you guys are doing. And and you know, with that being said, I want to talk about the layers expanding time piece, which 
Is it really interesting? There's different textures, organ parts. Mm -hmm. To me, it seems meditative and kind of these swells of piano and voices. What, what was the approach for this one? Uh, well, that that kind of ties into this spiritual sort of element that the film has, and that's, that was something that Garth wanted to bring out, and it was something mm -hmm. that he he wanted to create. You know, something that would give you the sense of like of, of a spiritual swelling, and it was the connection that he had to his mom and his family, and that he would mm -hmm. and he always felt them, and so we kind of that sound sort of represents that idea and it's something that you know we didn't want to get it's not about melodic structures it's just more you know these kind of swell and these sounds that just create a more um yeah just just a, more of a spiritual landscape i guess yeah and then lastly i guess one of the last tracks is uh the one mother which to me is it returns to the the motif, the, the theme mm -hmm. of Saru, and I think there's some cello and violins that come in, but it, it feels like it's coming full circle back to where we began, where we started. But then, you know, how did you want to represent his mother in India? Because it seemed like there was a different theme or potential, like how you wanted it play in that, that moment. Well, it, it's that's sort of a, the last variation of the theme that has a few different variations in the film. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and it is, it's like there, this is, return to the beginning in a way and the film opens up with the with you know with the more the fuller version of the theme um the cello is sort of representing the mother it's you know it's it's grounded it's it's deep it's soulful and and that's you know we we always sort of wanted that scene to be restrained and not be this epic tear jerking over the top. I don't think that's. I don't think that's possible. By by, the, by that scene, it's there wasn't a dry eye in the audience. Yeah. Well, I mean, just in the sense that it would like it was just it, you have to let let it breathe. Yeah. So um, the idea of that piece was also just to let some, you know to give it some space too, like let it be emotional, but not but like give it some restraint as well. I, I guess you know from that that powerful scene the film ends with this amazing track from Sia which which is so uh, it's so different because it is going to the Indian roots it has this Bollywood vibe was that something that you guys were aware of that it was going to be going into for no, the end credits no 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 <laughs> we haven't we haven't heard it uh, when it was uh, you know when we were working on it there was no Sia track on there okay yeah I, I was just curious because it, it just you guys did such a great job throughout the film of not using instrumentation that was you know distinctly indian so yeah 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 you know i i, I think it's uh i think the indian nature and the indian people are so great uh, that we we thought that they don't need uh, our support you know in terms of <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. in terms of music uh, I, th I think we were just thinking that they are living as we in modern times and that we want to represent uh, um, with the music a story of Saru and following him um, and it doesn't matter where he w would be if he would be in, in China or somewhere else we would always you know write our music yeah I guess lastly here you know how do you because it was so uh, in terms of how you are writing um, it is more acoustic you know what how do you describe the balance of the kind of the technology and the tools that you use whether it's in the box or just in your studio and, and creativity, what how does it work out for even a score like this? 
Oh, I, th I think personally, uh, you, can, you should imagine it like that. On the one side, there's a computer, there's a screen over the, the piano, and we're <laughs> sitting with sitting on the keyboard, and we just play to the to the um, to the picture, and then you know everything is very narrow. And I, I, I think it was very nice how we worked. Uh, that you actually you don't have to um, communicate too much with the sound engineer. We are engineering. A lot of the stuff our, ourselves, and uh, you know, checking the microphones, finding the sound that we like, and then we, um, you know, we start working. And I think that's very um, nice. And then we sit down maybe the next day on the computer and shape, and using reverbs or. And I, I think we, both of us, we, have, we we make our own, we've been making our own records for so long that we also sort of use the studio like an instrument. Yeah. It's, it's it's another our studio is very much you know how we capture the sounds and all of the the sort of weird guitar pedals and the things that we have you know these all these little tools that we use to help create sound we're not just we're not going back and just re-recording everything with with players after we've written it we're doing a lot of stuff in our in the studio yeah, yeah. treatments and sounds and that's sort of you know that's stuff that takes time and takes time to discover it and uh but it's fun i really love that yeah i guess when we first you know the first question just asking you know you know looking back on this perspective now what you know what were some of the lessons learned some of you know the advice you could you would want to tell yourself when you're starting this project off it just seems you know no one ever has enough time it's uh, there's always a rush yeah. and that rush so yeah. yeah you know i think you know Volker and i worked really well together and it was good that we um there was two of us really because it wasn't that much time and it's it, it's a lot of emotional weight to carry for one person so um it was great i mean it's great to have have uh have a, have, have a writing partner and somebody that you know you just can keep your spirits up we were you know we were when one of us was falling down the other one could pick up pick up I mean, the, the thing too is that we're dealing with like a complete. You guys are on opposite sides on most of the world. There's like a 24-hour composing team here. <laughs> yeah, in the beginning, in the beginning, it was <laughs> that was very helpful. I mean, we were actually firing the cues around like, the clock, uh, around the clock, and then. Uh, but then uh, the second half of our collaboration, we were together in LA, and we work, and and that was totally necessary actually to be in one room together and. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, work on an instrument together and sit down and say, I, I don't think that this is right. Let's do that. Or So that was definitely one part of it as well. Yeah. And I guess for, for folks who are interested in keeping track of what you guys are up to, what should we look forward to in, in the new year here? Uh, I'm about to start working on a film uh, with John Curran. He's doing a, the story of Chappaquiddick. Mm. Um, and I'm working on some a, a new record as well, a new solo record. Yeah, I, I've finished uh, my next record that will be released in March uh, next year, and uh, I've, I'm finishing right now uh, another movie called uh, Ashes in the Snow. Nice. Well, Dustin and Volker, thank you so much for talking to me about Lion. I, I'm really excited for people to hear the music and watch the film and yeah, go through that experience, that journey. Well, thank, thank you, you, Michael, for thank you. Talking. Thanks so much for tuning in and listening to my chat with composers Hauschka and Dustin O'Halloran about their work on Lion. You can hear more conversations with sound designers, composers, and directors on the Soundworks Collection podcast on iTunes and streaming online at soundworkscollection.com. 
Thanks again to our sponsor, THX, a globally renowned brand focused on delivering premium entertainment experiences and is passionate about telling the stories of the creators behind great productions. Find out more at THX.com.